31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, speaking to Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But listen to this. But I've prayed for you. Can you imagine Jesus Christ praying for you? That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, he said, strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brethren. Praise the Lord. One more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word today. We thank you, God, for your presence. How wonderful it is to feel your presence, God. To know that we don't serve some made-up fairy tale God. But we look, we serve a God who is a real, who's alive, who's well, and who is the only God of this universe and this world and everything beyond and before. Your word tells us that, God, that there's never been a time that you've not been. In fact, you went on to say that you were the beginning, the alpha. And you also said that you will also be the ending, the omega. And that you're everything in between. All things. All things. So we thank you today, as we said earlier, that you are our God. We thank you, Lord, because you stand, Jesus, in the gap for each one of us every day. You are, as the Word says, the great mediator. You're the one that stands between us, life and death, judgment and forgiveness. Just as you did for Peter on that day when you knew that although he was a child of yours, he was going to fail you. He was going to make some mistakes. And isn't that why you came, Jesus? You came, God, because you, you knew. You knew that while in this flesh we give in sometimes to temptations. Maybe not willfully, God, at the beginning, but we give in. We make mistakes sometimes. But your word says that you died once for all, that your blood is sufficient. And you told Peter that day that even though you're going to fail, Peter, even though you're going to make mistakes, I pray that your faith not fail, that your belief and your trust and confidence in me not fail. You went on to tell him that he was going to be restored, which teaches us that he's going to turn his back on you. He was going to fall back. We call that today, God, backsliding. But you said, I've prayed for you. Your face is going to be there. I'm going to be there. And you're going to be restored. You said, when you return, Peter, restore your brethren. Which teaches us that none of us are perfect. We only serve a perfect God. A perfect Jesus who lives in us. And we serve you as perfect as we can. But when we come up short, we can turn to you and ask for forgiveness and you can put our feet back on that right plane the right path with you so thank you for that today thank you for those two powerful verses and the confidence and the joy that it brings each one of us you never left Peter you never left him nor will you ever leave us so God we pray that as we continue in this service today that you would do just that be with every single person watching today Pull up beside them, Jesus, and sit right beside them. Stand beside us, God. 
And Lord, hold our hands. Teach us today. And God will honor you and praise you. As always, for everything. And all God's children here and there said, Amen. Amen. One more time. Give him a hand clap of praise today. Amen. 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 for our worship team. Amen. Thankful for them too. Yeah, you can give them a hand too. They can't hear you, but they can feel it in their hearts. Amen. We're so thankful for them. God has blessed us truly and honored us with such a wonderful team of musicians and, and worshipers. They're worshipers. Lead worshipers is what they do. Not only them, but our folks in the sound room that uh, very few times gets a lot of credit or any credit at all, but we're thankful for uh, Brother Miguel and Brother Keith and Brother Danny and Brother Kevin. Uh, these that help us back in the back, Brother Jared, Sister Elizabeth, Sister Heather from time to time. There's a plethora of folks that go back there and help us out, and we're just so thankful for them. Uh, Sister Veronica, different ones that uh, help with the, the media sites. Thank you so much for all that you do. If you have your Bible, as I said to you, I want you to go to First Chronicles with me. Chapter 21 is where we're going to be. First Chronicles chapter 21. Brother Keith, I think, is going to put these on your television screen or your phone screen for you. <clears throat> We're going to be reading, uh, talking about reading some uh, verses 1 through 27. It's a lot. There's a lot to talk about here, a lot to talk about. Scripture I open up with is what I want to really talk to you about today. I really want to focus on the first passage where Jesus said to Peter, that Satan desires you. He has asked for you. He has approached me, Jesus said, and he wants you. And I just say that I've told you this before. It's encouraging to let you know that he has to give an account for everything he does to Jesus. So that will encourage you and I as children of God to keep walking because he's not going to do anything to us that Jesus is not going to keep his hands on. And if Jesus allows him to do anything to us, it will be for our benefit and for his glory. Amen. But he did say something to him that I want to talk about. He said he wants to sift you as wheat. So as we fast forward over here to 1 Chronicles chapter 21, the message title is To and Fro. To and Fro. This story comes up here where David and the children of Israel had conquered the Philistines, these giants of the Philistines. And... Um, David decides that he wants to number children of Israel. So he begins to tell his folks to go out and number all of them. He says this to Joab and to the rulers of the people. In verse 2, go number Israel and Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. David's feeling pretty good about himself. David's thinking about, look at what all we have accomplished. God had done some pretty powerful and amazing things in David's life, as you know and I know, if you read the stories. The Chronicles means these are the Chronicles or the letters, things that were written about all the things that happened with the kings during this time. They chronicled it, hence Chronicles. And so all this was being done, and God was blessing David right and left and the children of Israel because of their obedience to him. And they were conquering these nations. And as... As, as what happens sometimes from time to time with all of us, when God begins to bless us, we begin to think about what all we've accomplished. 
somewhere in there, we, 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 it turns from what God's done to what we've done. Usually because man begins to get involved and pat us on the back and tell us how wonderful we are and how awesome it was and you know how great it is that God's been doing great things. Uh, I've told you before that as ministers, Pastor Keith and I and Brother Damien and Brother William, Brother Justin, different ones, and teachers, um, people have come up to you from time to time and say, boy, that was a great message, powerful message, wonderful message. And if we're not careful sometimes, we'll say, well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, I studied a lot for it, and, and uh, I gave it my best. And that just all turns around to what I did rather than what God did. I heard a good friend of mine one time. He was a minister, and he and I kind of grew up in the ministry together. He's still pastoring a church. And, and he said one time when I told him, I said, man, I said, what a great message, Brother Eddie. Eddie Crocker was his name. I said, boy, it's a great message, Brother Eddie. And he looked at me and he said, to God be the glory. Amen? To God be the glory. And from that moment till now, that's what I try to remember. It's not anything I've done, but what God's done. And if there's any glory that has to come out of anything that involves his word and his people, it's to him be the glory and not to us. Amen? Amen. And so here we find David. He had conquered these great giants, not just people, but giants, uh, through the hand of God. And he began to boast a little bit, poke his chest out, you can see, and he says, I'm going to number the people. We have grown to a large number, and we're, we're, we're just a mighty army. And he just begins to do this, and it was against God's will. So he numbers them. And the Bible says that when he began to count them, Joad gave the number to him in verse 5. He, the number of the people unto David and all they that were of Israel were a thousand, thousand, and one hundred thousand men. That is one million, one hundred thousand that drew the sword. Mighty men of valor, warriors. These weren't just troops. These were, these were feared, skilled warriors. One million, one hundred thousand from the children of Israel. And then from the children of Judah, which also are is Israelites, was four hundred and three score and ten thousand men. That's four hundred and seventy thousand that drew the sword. Four hundred, three score, which is sixty. A score is 20. So 400, three score, and 10,000 men that drew the sword. A lot of folks. And he goes on down here in verse 7 where we pick up where I want to talk to you. And God was displeased with this thing thereof, and he smote Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, David said, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. He's asking for forgiveness. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David in verse 11 and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee either three years famine, three months to be destroyed before the foe, by thy foes, conquered, while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait, a predicament, a pickle, right? And who wouldn't be? That was your three choices from God. None of them are good. I definitely wouldn't choose door number three. <clears throat> But he was in a pickle, a straight here. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. 
So as I said to you, physically I'd say, I don't want to fall into the hands of God. But look at what David said. I'd rather fall into God's hands than the hands of man because God will be merciful and man will not be. You ought to underline that and circle that and highlight that passage very good. <clears throat> Our flesh would say, gosh, God will get me really good. He's a lot worse than man could be. His power is so much greater, but his mercy also is greater. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And the Bible says God sent an angel into Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil and said to his angel that destroyed, It is enough. Remember what he said, that mercy that David knew was coming. Stay now thine hand. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Underline threshing floor there, if you would. David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, they were repenting, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God in verse 17, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, these other folks, these other people, what they have done, what have they done? Let thine hand, he said, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. This is why David was a man after God's own heart. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord, and Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons, with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David because David was king with his face to the ground. And David said in verse 22 to Ornan, Grant me this place, this threshing floor. Give it to me. I want this place that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. <clears throat> and Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. He was going to give it to him. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. He said, I give it all to you. I give it all. He was wanting mercy too. He had been under this great persecution that God had been play, laying on the children of Israel because of David's Inconsiderate heart. King David in verse 24 said unto Ornan, No, nay, but I will verily buy it for full price. Underline what I'm about to say to you. For I will not take that which is thine from the Lord, or for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without it costs me something. Amen. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold in weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And called upon the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put his sword again into his sheath thereof. The Bible says that God's anger endures for a moment, right? But joy comes in the morning, amen? God's anger endures for a moment. God's judgment endures for a moment. But joy comes in the morning peace comes right forgiveness comes mercy comes grace comes why 
because God loves us. It is not God's plan to tear you and I down. It's God's plan for you and I to learn from our mistakes, that we not do them again, and that we get, find ourselves in a place to worship Him and honor Him and glorify Him. Amen? That's the whole reason why you and I were placed on this earth. Number one, understand that if you are living today in this world, that means you're breathing and you're watching and listening to me. If you are breathing today, it is an absolute honor to be here today. Amen? Satan would have you think because of your situation and because of where you're at in your life, things that are going on in your life, that you are, that you are pointless, that you have no value, that it's just awful, and what's it all about? But I'm telling you today that if, if you are here, then you were chosen by God, handpicked by God to be here on this earth, to preach and teach His Word, and to love His children, and to love Him. That's why you and I are here. That is the ultimate reason why you're here. There's no other reason why you're here. So understand that it's an honor to be alive because you and I are a temple, a vessel of the living God. He wants to live in us that He could proclaim Himself through us to others. So you and I are just lighthouses that God has built on this earth to let our light shine. So you are somebody. You need to quit listening to the lies of the enemy and just understand that you are valuable. Amen. God believes in you and I. You've heard me say it many times. He believes in us or he never would have allowed you to be born. He, wouldn't, he, didn't, he didn't allow you to be born so that you could be persecuted, so that you could be just in turmoil all your life. Yeah, you've been through some things. Some of y'all out there have been through some stuff that I could never dream of. Some of y'all have been through some things physically, emotionally, mentally, abused, taken advantage of. And you say, well, if God really loves me, why is all that happening? I can't answer that question, but what I can answer is God loves you, and he's got a purpose and a plan for you. And if you'll get up from that threshing floor, stand to your feet, and begin to raise your hands and worship him, he'll take you to the plans he has for you that he said is good and not evil. Amen? You are somebody. Sometimes the reason all this stuff happens to us is because we won't get up off the threshing floor. And guess what happens? In the threshing floor, when they would build a threshing floor, they would build it and put it in like a little circle and put a wall around it. And they would have a gate that opened up in the front of it. And you would put the wheat in the threshing floor, and then they would let the cattle and the livestock run and stomp all over the wheat so that it would break it loose from, its, from, its, uh, from the husk and from the, um, from the chafe. They would break it all up, okay, before they would do the next thing. So sometimes you and I are getting stepped on, stomped on, pooped on, whatever you want to say, because we refuse to get up off the floor, amen? So, so if you want to answer, I'm going to tell you real quick, you and I got to get up, amen? Stand up and never give up and raise your hands in glory and honor to the Lord and step out of that threshing floor into God's glory and into his victory that he has provided for us through the gate. That's why he had a gate on it. Come through the door. When you go through the door, there's victory. Amen? And we're not stepped on anymore. Man, I hope y'all, I don't know if y'all got that or not, but I'm telling you, that's good no matter where you're from. And that's free. Amen? So he says, I'd, he, said, he said to Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to keep you in that threshing floor. He wants to put you there so that he could stomp on you and kick you down and do all those things that he does, and he wants to keep you there until you're just nothing but pulp, dust, and then you're good for nothing but to be swept out of the threshing floor for the animals to step on and to walk on. Amen? 
But there's another thing that happens in the threshing floor that I think is valuable. Two more things. Three things in general. Three points, Brother Keith. One was what I just told you. And there's two more. Two more. See, the threshing floor, when you built the threshing floor, you put the threshing floor not at the lowest part of your property. You would always put the threshing floor at the highest point of your property. The threshing floor was also a place of worship. It's where you would go to worship and praise God. That's why David built an altar here at the threshing floor. It was the highest place in this, in this young man's property, Ornan's property. And he built the threshing floor there. They built the threshing floor there because they would also go in and they would take pitchforks, if you will, or rakes, once the cattle had stomped it out and broke it up, and they would throw it up into the air so that the wind could catch it and blow the chafe out, and the heavy wheat would settle back down in the threshing floor. And that was what was valuable, that stuff that fell back down when the wind blew the chafe and all the other impurities away, that would fall back down, and that was what was valuable. That's one thing I want you to see here. David understood that you and I, God's still working on us. We got to pick ourselves up off the floor and quit getting trampled on and lift. That's why he had them take rakes and lift and throw it up into the air because when you throw it up in the air, where do your hands go? Come on, somebody. Where do your hands go? Up. When you do that, and you don't just do it one time in the threshing floor, you do it multiple times all through the day, throwing that stuff up in the air. Amen. And when you're standing there watching, out goes the old, in comes the new. What'd Jesus say? The old man is done away with. Behold, all things are new. Amen. In him. When does that happen? When we get ourselves up off the floor and raise our hands to God and just lift up and begin to praise him and honor him and glorify him. Amen. And that's when the chafe comes out of your life. That's when the impurities come out of your life. And that's when the blessings of God fall. Amen. In the form of the wheat. Amen. The wheat here represents the presence of God. Amen. And then we're blessed because we get to go enjoy that wheat to make bread. And guess what Jesus said? Y'all, I'm telling you what now. Y'all might want to run. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Amen. And so that's why he used wheat. We can take it and make bread that we could live. And when you and I get the impurities out of our lives and we lift our hands in praise, God begins to pour himself into us. And guess what? You start living. Amen. You start living. This is why he said to Peter, Son, you've just kind of been going through the motions. You've been saved. You've been walking with me. But you ain't all in. Amen. And I'm going to allow Satan to do what he's going to do to just get this chafe out of your life. I'm going to allow him to walk on you just a little bit because you need to get some of this stuff broke up in your life. Your foundation needs to get shaken a little bit. Amen. So that the good stuff can come out of you. But he said, don't you worry about it, Peter. He said, I ain't forgot you. I still got my hand on you. And when you return. Amen. He said, he said, when you return, he said, restore your brethren. Amen. So in other words, when you get yourself up off the ground and you get tired of getting stepped on, look up, lift up. Amen. And never give up and praise God. Amen. And walk on. And Peter, from that day forward, after those three times he denied him, Peter was a different man. Amen. When he received the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts and he began to turn the world upside down. Amen. Why? Because he got the chafe off. He got that junk out of his life. He got tired of getting stepped on. And he stood up instead of being stepped on and raised his hands toward God. So that threshing floor is threefold. That threshing floor is so we can, so we can get the impurities in our lives 
stepped on and broken up, right? Sometimes God allows things to happen to us for the good, right? To get that stuff out of our lives. The second thing is, is so we could raise our hands and throw that wheat in the air that the Holy Ghost, the wind, could just come by and get all that junk out of your life. That the true wheat can fall in your heart, Jesus, the bread. Amen? The third thing they would do when they built these threshing floors, they would find the highest part on the property, but they would also find the highest part of the property that had a solid foundation. See, if this part was the highest part of the property, but it had nothing but sand underneath it and mud underneath it, it wasn't going to last long because it would just get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Before you know it, you'd be throwing your hands up in praise for nothing because the wind couldn't catch it. Amen? You just, you just dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into your situation until when you raise your hands, you ain't feeling nothing. Amen? Y'all with me? You ever been in church and you said, well, I'm trying to praise him. I'm trying to lift my hands. I'm trying to live my life right. But you're walking in mud. Amen. You're walking in sand. You're just digging yourself deeper and deeper in that threshing floor. And there's no, the wind is above you and it's blowing the top of you. But you can't feel it and you can't raise your hands high enough to praise him because you're just burying yourself in your own situation. Jesus said in his word that you and I got to build on solid foundations. Right? Not on sinking sand, but on the rock of Jesus Christ, our foundation. They built these threshing floors on the highest point, but it had to be the highest point with a solid foundation on a rock. Amen? On a stone. Specifically, build it on a stone. The reason God told them that in the Old Testament was because he knew about Jesus here in the New Testament. Jesus was in the Old and the New, but he was showing them something that you and I know already, as I said to you, in the New Testament. We have to build it on a solid foundation. That it does not ever sink, but it remains the same. Jesus said in his word, right, that his word is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Amen. He never changes. God never changes. So that threshing floor, that altar that you've built upon Jesus will never change. It is good then as good as it is now. Amen. Amen. So we got to make sure that we build our threshing floor, our altars, our place of worship on a solid foundation, and that's in Jesus. All this other junk that we see in the form of worship is just sinking sand. If it is not built upon God, it's vain words and vain music and vain preaching. There ain't no more God in it than anything else. But if you'll build it on a solid and firm foundation, Jesus Christ will meet you where you stand. Amen? He'll meet you where you stand. Amen. Amen. Tossed to and fro. But I want to encourage you today. That if you feel that you're being tossed to and fro and you know for certain that you built your, your threshing floor on a firm foundation in Christ, then you and I have the right, according to the book of James, to speak to the enemy, amen, and tell him, though I may be tossed to and fro, I am on solid foundation in my Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what you do to me, he's already prayed for me, according to John chapter 17, where he prayed to his father, not only for his disciples and his apostles, but for everybody that would come along after that believed in him. He prayed for all of us, just like he did for Peter, and that you and I would remain solid in him until the day that his father calls us home. I love Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. If you got a second, turn with me over there. Didn't know I was going. It'll take me just a second. I'm used to just Googling everything now. Amen? All right, I found it. Mm-hmm. I got to go pretty fast, beat preacher. Philippians chapter 1. 6. Listen to this. 
Paul to the church at Philippi. And it's something God don't ever contradict his word, does he? He said, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Whatever you started in Jesus on that firm foundation, if you'll just keep praising him and honoring him on that firm foundation, standing on his promises, he said, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to protect you, but I'm also going to be with you, and I'm going to return and get you, and I'm going to keep my word. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said. So everything I've promised you in this word, if you'll just get up off that threshold, quit being stepped on by the enemy, raise your hands and praise to him, let the Holy Ghost move in your life, get Jesus down deep in your heart, stand on the word of God, which is the foundation of Christ, I will keep my promises. That's what Jesus said. I will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I will keep it until the day that he returns and calls us all home. Now, man, that ought to make you stand up out of your recliner and praise God two or three times. Amen? It ought to make every one of us in here worship and praise him. That's why that song was so powerful this morning to me, because God don't mess up. I didn't know they were going to sing that song. But it went right with, I didn't know till this morning when Sister Heather sent it to us, or last night, whenever it was, last night. Didn't have a clue. But God did. Amen. And he placed it right with He's worthy of it all. Amen. He's worthy of it all. And just as they do in that threshing floor, man, we ought to exalt him. Amen. You grab a hold of those problems in your life, pick them up, and throw them up to Jesus. Amen. Exalt him. Reach down and grab a handful more, throw them up, and exalt Jesus. Amen. Reach down and grab a few more, throw them up, and exalt Jesus. Reach down and grab a few more, throw them up to Jesus. How many times I got to do that, preacher, before I feel the presence of God? As many times as it takes, amen? But get all that junk out of there where there's nothing left except the blessings of God, amen? When you and I look down and see nothing but Jesus, that's enough, <laughs> amen? And let me tell you when that's going to be, when he calls you home. We'll never stop throwing the junk up and praising God and letting the blessings of God come down until he calls us home. And then... We'll just be doing it for all eternity, but when we throw no junk up, we'll just be praising. Amen? Because there ain't nothing left but good wheat. Good wheat. He's the only one that's going to come back to get you from your father's house that are pure. Today, they're just going to play a little bit while you and I meditate on God and, and while you and I praise Him and honor Him today. Toss to and fro. Toss to and fro. Be tossed to and fro, but if you're being tossed by the hand of God, as I said to you earlier, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing, as David said, to fall into the hands of a merciful God rather than into the hands of a non merciful world that we live in. Man wants to do nothing but lift himself up, so he's not only going to be merciful to a certain degree, but God loves you and I. He will be merciful to us from the beginning to the end. Amen. Beginning to the end. Beginning to the end. That's the God that you and I serve. He loves us. So I don't know about you, but I want you to bow your head with me here today as they come. And we're just going to pray and talk to the Lord and be honest with Him today. Number one, the first thing we got to do, if we don't have a threshing for us, do what David did. He recognized that he needed to go and find him a place of worship. If you're here today and you don't have a place of worship, need to find your place wherever that's at in your closet on your knees in front of your bed 
wherever that you envision your altar being, finds you a place of worship. Once you do that, begin to just confess all your sins, right? That's what happened on the threshing floor, right? We've got to get rid of all this junk that's in here that nothing's left but the good wheat. So we've got to confess all that before the Lord, right? Stomp it all out, get it out before Him. Once you've done that, just offer them up to the Lord. Raise your hands and offer them up to Him. And say, Lord, I don't know what to do with all this junk, but I do know that it's causing a problem. It's mixing with the good that's in me. And I find myself, as Paul said, when I would do good, evil's present. It's just mixing in there with it, and I'm just confused on what I'm supposed to do. Just lift them up to Him. Say, Lord, can you just, can you just blow across all of this? Can the Holy Ghost just move? That's that conviction. Just let it fall across me, Lord. Just cleanse me. Get all that junk out of my life. And once that's happening, as that's happening, just keep your hands up, right, in praise and honor to God. That's what we should do, right? Give Him our junk. Get on our knees in our place of worship. Give Him our junk. And as you're lifting your hands to give it to Him, keep them up. He'll take that stuff. He said, cast your cares upon Him, right? And just keep your hands up. He'll, he'll, he'll cast that stuff out away as, as far away as the east is from the west. 